And we are back and yes. we are the, the Run, Run Duo. Duo. I'm Tommy Mitchell. And I am India Cook. And this is episode 57. 50, 50, 57. 57. Yes. Um, we've been doing this for two years now. Yeah, so we hit our two my, our two year mark, and it has been a great journey. I've really been enjoying it. We talked to a lot of different people. I mean, we talked to we've talked to Elite Elite, and yes. we've talked to back of the Packers. Yeah, we've talked to people who don't run that just do fitness stuff. I mean, we've talked to everybody, and yes. I've truly enjoyed it. And of course, I've enjoyed speaking with any, even though we don't get to see each other anymore. Um, mm -hmm. We don't get to sit across from each other anymore, anymore. It's been great doing it with you, India. Yes, likewise. Likewise. I really enjoyed uh, the banter back and forth and be able to, being able to talk about just the run community and just kind of the good things that are going on. And for people that are new to our podcast, please definitely enjoy. You have 57 episodes to, to kind of hear our a uh, great communication between each other as well as with other elite, not only elite individuals and people that are just in the running community or fitness community as a whole. Um, and we just love talking to people that are doing great things and continue to show other individuals the light that that, that other people have and the good things that they can hear about. So exactly. I'm enjoying it and we are here to stay. Yeah, we're here to stay until, I mean, unless, you know, Trump says we got to stop podcasts because of COVID-19, we go keep doing it. Right. Um, so we got a great guest. Oh my goodness. Yes, we do. Miss Peyton, Peyton Tom. Thomas. Peyton Thomas. Mm -hmm. um, she participated in the 2020 uh, Marathon Olympic Trials here in Atlanta, Georgia. Yes. Uh, so we're going to get to talk to her a little bit later, but until then, we're we going to uh, talk about a few things the few things that are actually going on in the run community before we get to that what you've been doing india what what are you doing with your sheltering in place listen i have been doing great things like i'm in a place where i am what is what's i am 20 almost 24 days in of eating clean staying fit and just doing my thing i've dropped some pounds and i'm really excited about it and honestly this whole quarantine thing has rejuvenated my spirit and i'm crushing on myself and i'm just doing well and i'm just really doing good like just eating healthy and working out at least five times a week and just enjoying and rebuilding kind of who i am and of course having some you know good creative juices pumping at the same time so i am doing really well and honestly enjoying the downtime and and for real like realizing that i'm okay with being at home I, i'm okay with you know, not going out all the time. Like it's totally fine with me. Like I miss things and people and doing some like outings and stuff, but I'm not, I'm not as bad as I think that some people are with dealing with this process. Now, if you take running away from me and a couple other things, I might have a concern, but right now I'm doing pretty well, Tommy. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm ready to go back to work. I, I really, I mean, it's okay working from home, but I actually enjoy, you know, getting dressed, driving to Me work, too. you know, going into mm -hmm. the office, you know, that sort of thing. Um, like I said, I'm killing DoorDash. And I think it's because, you know, a lot of times at work, I would buy lunch. So sometimes I bring lunch, but it gave me a little bit of variety and just mm -hmm. constantly cooking, you know, and eating the food gets a little old. So I'm, I'm killing the DoorDash. Um, running wise, I've been consistent for the last uh, four weeks, four times a week running, you know, not long, long miles, but, you know, trying to kind of get my base going again. So maybe by the time these races start up again, I'll, I'll, I'll be ready to go. So I've right. been, been keeping that up. Um, other than that, 
it's it's nice. You know, the the nice part about being home is I get to spend more time with Trey, um, because he I'm here all day at my lunch break. I can go up and hug him and play with him, or have him down here with me sometimes while I'm working. So it's nice to see him. So I'm not missing anything because he went from crawling to walking. Well, he went from crawling to pulling up to walking. Seems like in like a day. So right. it was it was nice that I got to see it, sit here and kind of watch it happen. Yeah, definitely. And I agree with you in the office actually I think it's the engaging with other people as well as getting dressed and stuff but you know it is what it is and we're doing what we can but there definitely are some benefits with working from home exactly exactly now in the running world mm-hmm. I don't know man what you think they didn't cancel Berlin so what, yes, what you think we about to lose them all Berlin I don't know. I think some of the international races are definitely more than likely going to be canceled. I mean, I'm kind of on the fence. And I guess I don't want to say, yes, everything's going to be canceled until 2021 because I really have some races that I want to, like, go on. However, the way that things are being – and if – okay, Tommy, if you think about it, the way that races are set up, you can't six feet apart nothing. Like it is, <laughs> like yeah, no, you cannot. In the back of the pack, and like the last, you know, people groups coming in, it's a little bit more spread out in the back. But literally, when we stand, when we're getting our bibs, we're in line together. When when you're getting things, you're in line together. Expos, you're in line. You're engaging. You're touching things. You're seeing things at expos. You're looking at clothes. You're, you know, what I'm saying like you're looking at all of these things. You're tasting these products and gum, jellies and chews and all of this stuff. It's so much touchy type stuff. And so between that and then when you're at races in corrals, you're you're literally not even arm's length from the next person next to you. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, as they talk about when you're running, sweat is popping off of you. And whether you see it or not, it's in the air. I know I'm a sweater. So, like, I know sweat is all over when I'm running. Um, and so it's like the things that I know is a concern in regards to COVID-19, I feel like racing is like a it's a hub (laughs) like it's a place that a lot of transmission couldn't be done so i'm really concerned honestly uh about racing for 2021 for 2020 period but i'm hopeful that that's not going to be the case but as i try to think about how race directors can can facilitate races differently in order for it not to happen i don't know if it's really realistic like i know people are saying spreading out the corrals and 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 things of that nature but i also know that as a race director race clo- uh, road closures is a time limit and all of that and it just really takes a lot to have the the roads open longer to be able to facilitate bigger corrals and things of that nature so i don't know yeah i mean i can see them maybe just the elites getting ready getting to run some of the world majors like london like maybe just the elites run because that's a smaller group that they can they can't spread out yeah yeah they well they can test them first off they can test the the group of elites verify none of them have the COVID 19 and then i don't know if you can spread them out um but you know because yeah i I don't know i don't know how you spread i mean we've seen groups of runners so what you got to be six feet behind me like they're gonna tell kipchoge kipchoge you got to be six feet behind me for us to run you know i'm not sure how that would work but i think if you can test all of them and can verify none of them um are carriers um then you can let them run 
basically you know uh whereas you know of course with a crowd of you know everybody you you can't do that i mean i think in general just not running but society in general is gonna kind of change i'm sure there's some things that i'm sure that have have started during this whole COVID 19 that are going to keep going what they are i don't know but i'm sure people are going to be more uh conscious of of um germs than maybe they were before because of this um and i think that's going to continue yeah i think even for me like even when i go outside now i'm like barely touching doors i have on gloves like i'm really like even if it's like when I went earlier today to the mailbox, like we have like a little parcel area for some of our mailbox stuff. And I like literally use one hand to open all the doors and all that stuff and like carefully took off my glove. Like it's something that I feel like I'm more obsessive about now um, than I was before. And like, if you think about it, you can't, you can't sanitize the world. Like nobody's going to fly up and like drop a bomb of sanitizer (laughs) and it sanitized everything so it's one of those things that because we know how this is transmitted it is one of those things where we have to really be a lot more cautious like I know I saw a headline yesterday that buffets may not be able to be a thing yeah I I I mean now do I think that the government's gonna outlaw them no do I think anybody's gonna go to one no no I I, I just don't know if they're gonna work yeah, yeah I think the public is going to just like, you know, any kind of capitalist society, I think the public's going to decide what we're going to do. Like, you know, are we going to continue to do, you know, so many things? Myself, personally, um, of course, yeah, I think I probably will be more conscious about, you know, germs and, you know, that sort of thing. I feel, you know, I'm not really worried about COVID-19. I'm worried about COVID-21. I mean, that's that's because whatever that is going to be is going to be really different. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think, you know, washing your hands, I'll probably be more conscious with that. That's true. Washing mm-hmm. my hands more often. Um, I, I don't see our society stick, sticking with masks, even though that probably would be the best thing, but mm-hmm. I just don't see our society doing it. I think we could. I mean, it not, should we? Yes. Mm-hmm. Will we? Probably not. I mean, now that's something you see in Asia quite often, people wearing masks. That's not unusual. Um, but it's the U.S., uh, you know, I mean, right now people are, you know, there are places they're telling you have to have a mask and people still won't wear it. I mean, it, you know, so it's, it's I don't see it actually, you know, happening that way, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I definitely think, I mean, I wasn't eating at buffets prior to this because I, I'm not really a buffet person because I think that people do play with their food and before they put it on their plate. So I was kind of, I'm never, I'm not really a germaphobe, but that it, it just, it was just something about buffets that I never really liked. But I think even more now it's like, no. So your Ryan's and your Golden Corral and your uh, Chinese buffets and stuff like that. I don't know. Oh, how. Oh man. What about the Caesar? Pa- Have you ever been to Vegas? Yes. I okay. haven't. And I hear that a lot of people like I've been to Vegas, but like they say that Vegas is going to take the biggest hit if, if buffets aren't it. Yeah, because uh, I mean, Caesar's Palace buffet is the shiznit. I mean, yeah. have you been to a all in all uh, all inclusive resort? Yeah, they're all buffets resort cruises. Like, yeah, yeah all of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it'll 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 be interesting to, you know, to see what goes on, you know, after this. Mm-hmm. Now, as far as the races, like I said, I'm thinking more, you know, I think London will run. If nothing else, it'll be the elites. Unless, because the reason Berlin it was canceled because of the government's issue of what you can and cannot do. 
Yeah, the so, number of people. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, that could be the reason why we don't get any of them. But I think England um, wasn't hit as hard as maybe some other countries. Mm -hmm. So maybe London will go. Um, I was thinking Chicago because I don't think Chicago was hit quite as hard um, as some other cities mm -hmm. with uh, the COVID-19. Now, I could be wrong. So, you know, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But as far as the news, I don't remember hearing that they were hit as hard as maybe some of the other um, large metropolitan um, locations like New York there's a good chance there will be no New York because New York was hit really hard yeah definitely I mean I definitely agree like I feel like New York is probably not happening for 20 in 2020 like it's um, still uh, yeah. it's still on the rise and still not going it's not declining at all at this point well the west coast for sure because I mean California's talking like no nah, we ain't doing we closed until 2021 basically mm -hmm. it's kind of like what California's saying which is, you know, I mean, you know, everybody be safe, but you messing with my basketball and my football season there, bro. Oh, so <laughs> I think y'all might need to move y'all too, because I got, I got to have, you know, Brady's on the Bucks. I got to see this football season. So yeah. we, we, we'll see what happens. Maybe they'll, you know, maybe you know, they'll be no crowds. You never know. You know, maybe they'll do the same kind of thing where you can test all the players mm -hmm. and you just won't have crowds in the stands. It'll just be TV. Yeah, um, to play their be, seasons uh, like i don't i don't i don't know if that would be as fun as as it would be with being able to go to the, the game well no it won't be but i mean if they did it i'm gonna watch it so i mean yeah. as a, i mean and, and you know we're getting off of running but just kind of for an example people are so hungry for things the nfl draft had this highest ratings ever because people just want anything to do with sports Mm -hmm. Um, I don't, I'm, I'm, are, were you ever, did you watch Sports Center? Like, what, did you ever really watch the, the, the channel ESPN? Yeah. Okay. All right. So like, I, it, it's almost a waste of time to turn to ESPN because they really have nothing to show. Like mm -hmm. is there, you know, they talk about, they find things to talk about, but nothing compared to the way it was. So I would think if any kind of sports came back, people would watch. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I definitely think that it's one of those things where, yeah, people are going to watch it. There's a lot of people mourning because <laughs> sports is not happening. I think one thing that is good, like, for example, and I, I, excuse me, excuse us for not not saying this, but for all the people that were mourning because the Boston Marathon was to take place, was supposed oh, yeah, to take that's place right. last weekend, yeah. or excuse me, last Monday, and it yeah. did not. Like, out of all of the years that the Boston Marathon has ever run on Patriots Day, that did not happen for the first time in 2020. And that is a huge deal. And I all up and down my timeline, I, I found and saw people that were very sad. Um, and people that had qualified for the first time for Boston, and now they can't run this race in 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 April, like it has been in history. And now it's in September. And of course, people are like, well, you know, it's not that I, I know that I can still run Boston and that I can still run it in 2020 if it definitely happens but I think it's the the understanding that it's at a totally different time than what it usually is and it's just not the same um and I think that you, I was kind of shocked by the amount of people that I could see that were like literally sad on Patriots Day for in Boston because the race was not taking place and people were wearing their shirts and really trying to find other ways to process the day mm -hmm. and you know and that's nothing bad to them like I think that that's amazing that you have that connection with something and of course 
for me, you know, being able to run Boston would be a living dream of mine. But it is one of those things that I think we don't understand how connected we are to the racing life and the racing world, as well as how connected we are to some of these races that are very memorable and dear to our hearts. And so not only is it a sports thing in regards to football, basketball, NFL, NBA, I think, you know, in the running world, it's something that you don't realize that you're so connected to until you don't have it anymore. And I'm the type of person I really don't like try to think too much about what's going to happen. I kind of just let it happen because I really haven't been thinking too much about the Peachtree not running. Not really. Oh I my mean, gosh. Um, but San Francisco, which is around the San Francisco Marathon is around the same time as the Peachtree. I don't think it's the fourth, but it's sometime in July, if I'm not mistaken. Um, they move theirs. Right. Yeah. So I, when I heard that, I was like, wow, if they're moving theirs, there's a good chance the Peachtree might not go on. I'm just wondering, would the Atlanta Track Club be looking at moving the Peachtree to another date or would they just they, cancel yeah, it? They have mentioned that. Um, okay. They definitely mentioned it being potentially on another date. Um, I don't think that they, I, obviously I know Atlanta Track Club is being very, very proactive at this point. Um, yeah. Of course, not announcing it to the public, but being very proactive to see if another date could be had for the Peachtree Road Race. Labor as Day. Well, yeah, I mean, as well as just trying to figure out how uh, to potentially have it going on. I know some people are saying that it's probably just going to be virtual, and that's just speculation, guys. I don't know. Um, but potentially having it virtual um, is potentially an option, but it just won't be the same. I mean, it's the world largest 10K, and it's, it's 60,000 people that usually run it. I mean, at this point, they only have 45,000 registered uh, people that are registered which is a very low number um yeah, compared so, to normal yeah yeah Atlanta track club adjusting to that but yes they have discussed or it has been said that they're looking they could potentially could look at another date but I know that they're doing and wanting to do the most to keep it on July 4th because just like the Boston Marathon it has always been on July 4th yeah, exactly. So that that I think to Atlanta, that's kind of the same thing. Well, of course, Boston's bigger than the Peachtree worldwide, but to us, that's the same thing. Like, oh my God, what if the Peachtree's you know not being run? That's what if. And the Peachtree's big, not just to runners. It's big to some people who are not runners have been in the Peachtree legacy. You know, ten, twelve, you know, whatever years, mm-hmm. um, just because it's become a family tradition. Right. No, for sure. Well, I, I'm personally looking forward. I'm personally thinking that the country, but I, I'm not sure about the Peace Tree, you know, after seeing San Francisco change their their date. But I'm looking forward to the fall and hoping mm-hmm. that the fall we can get back to normal in society, but also, you know, in racing. Yeah, I definitely, I mean, I'm looking forward to that as well. And I think for me, I'm not, I didn't realize I guess I know that I enjoy racing. Like I'm a runner that also likes to race. And I mean, I know that we may have some listeners that are not into racing, but running is something that they enjoy. But I just, I think that I didn't realize how much I would miss. And it's more so for me missing races that I really enjoy versus like just racing all the time, if that makes any sense. So like for me, there are just some races that I look forward to. It's something that I know I would do every year. There's races that if I leave Atlanta for any particular reason, I would see if I could come to Atlanta to run. And when those races aren't happening, it is definitely, it's like, wow, like how do you process that? So I think it's something that we're having to process and understand on a different level. And 
you know, we're making it through. And of course we pay to do this and this is our hobby, but you know, it's something that we look forward to. And I think as human beings, when you look forward to something, whether it be an outing, a vacation, a race, it gives you a different motivation to get there. Yeah, it does. It definitely does. I, Cause actually my plan this year was to, to do a lot of the, um, the Grand Prix races. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, that kind of, you know, of course this has made it so that I cannot, but I've been looking at them as races to kind of be tune-ups to get, get me back in shape and, you know, get me back into that, that running feeling, living, living like a runner. Um, but you know, it sounds like you're doing well. It's not, you're not going to come out with the, uh, the quarantine 15. Uh, no, so I'm that's... not. I'm actually, I'm hoping to come out quarantine negative 15. That's my goal. <laughs> so are you, are you going to, and we talked about challenges like last uh-huh. week, but mm-hmm. do you think you're going to do one of the, I mean, and, I, and I'm sorry, I'm calling them outrageous challenges. These challenges of like running so many miles in a 24 hour mm-hmm. period and you know, that kind of thing. Um, are you looking, I, I don't, I can't see myself doing it. Same reason I probably have never done a Ragnar. I'm not a big fan of running twice in a day you know that sort of thing you see yourself maybe doing one of those no I don't um (laughs) and and I'm gonna tell you why and this Uh is just an honest answer from you know just from me I'm just not fit to do it like I think that it would do my body more harm than good yeah um when I go out now to do my two and three miles like honestly it's been a little difficult you know it's like for me if I was in better shape I feel like I could see myself doing a challenge like that and I'll be like hell yeah push myself but honestly I just don't think that I'm there right now and the time that it takes me to complete the number of miles whether it be four or five I would be getting no rest and I just feel like I just don't want to harm myself in this process to do a challenge so yeah yeah I just no it wouldn't be <laughs> it wouldn't be beneficial for me at this I point I gotcha I thought about it but I was like I'd have to definitely have a, a baby stroller because I yeah. you know I could be out doing that you know uh leaving uh Heather here with the kid that much mm-hmm. um so i thought about it but i was like eh. the same thing same way i thought about that pyramid challenge that uh that uh what's his name um that patch, uh that uh philip and yeah doing. yeah mm-hmm. yeah that i looked at it because it looked i mean it looks incredibly hard but i looked at it, i was like yeah there's uh, 10 10 miles every day for 10 days i i die so yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. But hey, for people that are doing them, congratulations! Great job, yes. keep it up. Mm-hmm. Yes, continue doing the great things that everybody's out here doing, and whatever it motivates you, definitely do that. Like I just feel like everybody is in a different space, and you have to do what is best for you to continue to stay happy, healthy, and sane. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. You got anything else from Forum India? I think that's it. I'm just so honestly excited for Peyton to come on. So let's just bring her on. Yeah, so we're going to bring her on right now. And we are back uh, yes. with a great guest. I'm sorry, great guest, uh, Peyton Thomas. Um, how you do today, Peyton? Doing well. How are you? And if Good. you don't know, Peyton ran in the 2020 Olympic trials right here in Atlanta, Georgia. Did you enjoy yourself while you were in town, Peyton? I did, definitely. It was a... Uh blast from the past kind of <laughs> I was gonna say so Peyton you are from Roswell Georgia where I currently am living right now so that is really exciting oh. um, but you currently <laughs> live in Wilmington North Carolina is that correct so being here in Atlanta for the trials was something different for you yes definitely 
Um, but it was kind of good to be back in the city. Is everything so much more lively there? And it definitely felt like that when I was there. So <laughs> definitely. So when was the last time you had run the streets of Atlanta? Um, prior to the trials. Honestly, my senior year in high school. Um, that was my last time. So 2013. Mm. Yeah. So it had been a while. So you couldn't, in yeah. your mind, kind of dictate what the streets were going to look like or anything. You just knew that from people saying that it was going to be hilly. You just knew that piece. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I remember what hills are like. <laughs> mm-hmm. I remember what those hills are like. But um, it's funny because a bunch of people here in North Carolina are like, oh, well, you're from Atlanta, so you should be fine. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you don't understand. It's been a really long time. It's not like your legs have muscle memory from seven years ago. (laughs) True. (laughs) Um, Definitely. But it was pretty funny. So, of course, so being from Atlanta, living here for several, obviously, majority of your life, you lived here. Um, Tell us a little bit more about how you got into running and kind of what your backstory is. Like, because obviously we know that you Olympic trial qualifier and you definitely ran the Olympic trials here in Atlanta. What got you to that point? Um, okay, so in high school, I started running uh, my sophomore year in high school, but it wasn't like a gung ho, I'm gonna go for it and be this amazing cross country and track runner. Um, I started because I just wanted some extra conditioning for volleyball because where my head was at was um, I was going to go play volleyball in college. Um, That was my dream for a really long time. Uh, And so one of my friends in high school was like, well, I'm going to run cross country to do some conditioning for swim. And so I followed along and uh, I started with cross country and it was... Um, an interesting experience at first. I really hated running actually for Mm. um, probably the first full year of me doing it. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was on the, I immediately got on the varsity team, which was very surprising for me, especially because um, every single race I ran during that first season of cross country, I walked in the middle of the race <laughs> and uh <laughs> and because I would just get so fed up with it like mm-hmm. halfway through it was only a mile and a half in to the race and I was like I'm done with this I don't mm-hmm. want to do this anymore and it would happen every time and then I'd like pick myself up again and just keep running again um and my teammates would be really upset with me because <laughs> I would keep doing that <laughs> and and they're like, how do you still run well, but like stop in the middle of it? And we just don't understand. And so I made a few enemies that first season, but then uh, I think people got to know me a bit more and realized I wasn't actually um, that awful of a person. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that was the beginning of my career and my uh, high school coaches love to joke about that first season. Um, Yeah, so I went into track and uh, ran a variety of races, and really, I think my love for running initially actually came from doing track, just um, because you're with a variety of people, and it's not only running. Um, So, yeah, that was my initial spark into the 
running realm. And I decided officially that summer uh, following my first track season that I would fully pursue running as something um, instead of volleyball because mm-hmm. I just found my love for it. Um, and then I got better, progressively got better throughout high school and um, got the idea of running in college from my high school coach. And he actually connected me with um, my college coach at Baylor University. Uh, coach Harbor was the head women's cross country coach when I was there. Um, and it was kind of a cool connection because uh, my high school coach, his son had run for Baylor um, and his daughter uh, played basketball for Baylor. So he had uh, a lot of connections with that school. Um, and then I went from there and uh, collegiately, I mostly did a long distance stuff. So it was cross country, of course. Um, and then uh, I mostly did 5K and 3K in college and then transitioned to the 10K. And, and I didn't do that until my junior year. Uh, in college, and um, that was a big jump, and I never saw myself doing anything beyond a 10K. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> it was it's just like these little steps where I'm just like, I'm never going to do this, and then I end up doing it, and it's, <laughs> I don't know, I just keep on contradicting myself, um, but it was funny because uh, my senior year in high school, my high school coach predicted that I would run the 10K, and I was like, nope, that'll never happen. And then <laughs> predicted it. Right. And then one of my uh, college teammates, um, Alex Davis, she's always been um, obsessed with the marathon and has always wanted to run a marathon. And uh, she was always telling me throughout college that we would run a marathon together. And I always said, fat chance, I'm never running a marathon. <laughs> um, and she's like, you'd be so good as a marathon runner. And I was like, I don't really know. I don't think so. Mm-hmm. but here I am and um, yes yeah <laughs> when she found out that I qualified for the trial she was like I told you <laughs> you didn't believe me yes <laughs> and so yeah. of course you qualify for the the um, Olympic marathon trials with California International Marathon in yes. 2019 and you did that yes. in 242.57 yes when you went out that day, did you think that this was going to happen? Was that your goal or what were your, what was your thought process um, with, I guess, transitioning from just being a runner, doing it collegially to, okay, now I want to qualify for the Olympic trials. Was that even in your thought process or how did that come about? Um, so I never imagined that I would make any sort of, Olympic trial qualifier that honestly was never a goal for myself until um, this past year Mm -hmm. Uh, and that was sparked by a few of the women that I run with um, in this running club in Wilmington and um, yeah so when I came out of college I had this idea that I still wanted to compete but I didn't know how far that would go because it's not like I was a top athlete um, collegiately. I was still good, but not like one of those main stage people that's always making it to national championships. And Mm -hmm. so I just didn't know where I stood um, in terms of my running career. And um, 
I kind of had a little bit of uh, a vendetta, maybe I guess I would say, mm-hmm. against myself. <laughs> I get um, it because I mm-hmm. because I had a rocky uh, senior year season um, for track, and so I kind of just wanted to prove to myself that I could still run the 10k really faster, run really fat, uh, or run a faster 10k um, mm-hmm. on the road or something like that. So. Um, my first year out of college, I was just running uh, road races, like 5Ks and 10Ks pretty much. And um, I just connected with my running coach in Wilmington at that time. Um, and so he was just trying to get a feel for like who I am and what I want to do. And I know that was really difficult for him because I had no idea <laughs> what, what I was doing. Um, but he was really instrumental in like kind of helping me formulate my goals. Um, so he's been really awesome, uh, Tom Clifford. And uh, yeah, so that first year out of college, I tried the Cooper River Bridge Run in mm-hmm. uh, Charleston, South Carolina, and he got me into the elite field. And that race scared me so much <laughs> because <laughs> I, I had this goal. I had done really awesome training for it and I was so excited to run a really fast 10k and then um it just didn't come together for me and I think I just got in my head too much but it scared me so much because you're with all of these really fast women Mm -hmm. that's also the first time that I met Shawana Mm -hmm. uh, White or maybe the second time actually it was the second time because she came to Wilmington for a race Mm -hmm. um but yeah so she was there and it was just a really scary moment for me and and that race made me realize that I I didn't know what I was doing and um, it kind of made me question like what what do I want my running career to culminate into Mm -hmm. Um, and then so the next year after that it was kind of just this process of me just staying in shape trying to figure out what I wanted Um, I did some relay races, uh, because there are a lot of relay races around Wilmington, Mm -hmm. um, just to have a running community. So I didn't really compete uh, competitively for a year, probably, or a little less than a year. Um, But I decided randomly to do an ultra marathon um, in Mount St. Helens, Mm -hmm. and and I was just like, you know, I think I'm just going to do it. And I did it. And honestly, that race was like my spark, I think, into uh, wanting to do the marathon or like just the marathon in general, um, not having a goal of making it to the trials or anything. Um, and wow. It, it, and what <laughs> year was that? Uh, that was... Mm, 2018 yeah it was the okay. it was August of 2018 was when I ran the um ultra marathon mm-hmm. yeah and I did that I didn't tell my coach that I was doing this race <laughs> and so he got, <laughs> he got really I'm sure upset. he was like what are you doing like once he found out <laughs> yeah I had all of these pictures posted I was just waiting for him to see mm-hmm. um like <laughs> I was waiting for him to find out on his own because I didn't want to tell him because I didn't want him to like try to back me down or anything. I was like, I'm going to do it. I think right. I'm just going to do it. Um, but yeah, I came out of that race just wanting to do um, longer distances. And um, so that was my <laughs> big spark. 
Um, but I didn't start out um, after that doing marathon training. I started with a half marathon because um, he wanted to see if I could try to get a qualifying time through the half marathon. Mm-hmm. And in my mind, I still hadn't really fully solidified that I was going to try to train for the Olympic trials because um, just seeing the qualifying time for the trials through the half marathon, I was like, you must be crazy because I, <laughs> I don't think I could run that um, for a half marathon. Um, so in my mind, I was just like, okay, I'm just going to train for a fast half, whether I'm, I'm not making it a goal for myself to qualify um, because I think that was just a lot of pressure for myself early on. Um, and I just wanted to see how well I would do in this half marathon. So we did the half marathon. Um, it was here in Wilmington. Mm-hmm. Um, it was the Wrightsville Beach Half Marathon. So it's a really big event here. It brings a lot of people in um, to the city. And you get to run all around the beach and then come back to the main um college campus mm-hmm. um and so I won the women's half marathon for that and I think I was like fourth or something in that race and got the course record and it wasn't a uh, qualifying time for the marathon mm-hmm. but I, I uh finished my coach jokes about this a lot too because I finished <laughs> and I was like I think I could do another half oh wow you're like okay I have yeah, some I more like, in me yeah, I was just like, and it wasn't terrible. I think it would be okay if I tried another um, half marathon after that. So um, with that, we were like, okay, well, maybe we'll try for another fast half at this other race um, later in the spring of 2019. And it didn't come together very well. Um, and by the summertime, I was just like, well, if I'm going to even, if I have this goal, of running at the Olympic trials at this point, then I should probably just go ahead and run a marathon before having to run a marathon <laughs> at the trials because eventually it's going to happen. Right. Um, so I'd say, yeah, middle of summer was when I officially decided um, that I was going to go for the Olympic trials. Mm-hmm. Um, and <laughs> even still, it's just so difficult to convince yourself of um a goal or convince yourself that you're going to do this specific goal. Mm -hmm. Um, or at least it is for me sometimes depending on the goal. Um, so I was committed to making or trying to make the Olympic trials, but it just still wasn't clear in my mind how I was going to do that or even fathomable for me at that point. Cause I was like, I have never even run a marathon. How do I do this? I have no idea what I'm doing. Um, (laughs) And uh, I definitely had a lot of support uh, from a lot of people, though, that had run marathons before and knew what they were doing, um, were telling me what I was doing wrong, which I'm very uh, glad for, like, constructive criticism. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I do a lot of things (laughs) that are probably wrong. But, um, yeah, just having so many people that were experienced in the race uh, really helped me a lot. Um, and so getting to that race to CIM, honestly, that morning, I felt like, I felt pretty confident that I was going to <clears throat> get the time, whether it be like 244.59 or mm-hmm. faster. I had in my mind that I could do faster than 
244 and I was like if I'm in the window between like 244 and 240 I'll be so happy because um I will have reached my goal of making it to the trials and that's pretty much all I want at this point since it was uh my first marathon and you know people fill your head up with like horror stories mm-hmm. <laughs> about the marathon and about how you're going to hit the wall and how you have to be prepared for it and it's like a, um, an insurmountable amount of pain and I was like I don't know how that what that feels like so I don't know what to do in that situation so I'm just going to relax and just be calm um, and I think that really helped me throughout the race um, and also I, I went to CIM with some other people from my club Mm-hmm. And that was so great, too, uh, because, uh, I mean, just knowing that they were all in the race with me was just really awesome. We all traveled out there together, so it was cool. Right. So basically, you qualified for the Marathon Olympic Trials on your full marathon debut. Yes. And <laughs> not knowing what it felt like, what it was going to do, like, not knowing, but you went out there and you kicked behind and you qualified for the <laughs> Olympic trials. And so, I mean, that is to like, to me, and I'm notes for Tommy, it's a huge accomplishment, like to be able to do that. People train, work out, people go through marathon Bust after marathon after marathon, yeah. Yeah. months and years worth of training to get to that place. And the fact that you went out for your debut and qualified for the marathon Olympic trials is beyond amazing. I mean, it's, 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 it's beyond amazing and I don't like you too much anymore. So <laughs> <laughs> all of that together. Right. <laughs> yeah. so, I mean, so the trials was your second marathon that you've run. And I mean, that is, a huge deal. Now, let me ask you something. I want you to be honest, Peyton. Okay. So, do you realize that you are the fourth fastest African American born woman in the U.S.? <laughs> um, I did not realize that until Shawana White told me that. Okay. <laughs> okay. She made it very clear. Yeah. So, I was like, I that mean, has to be a joke. No, no, it's no. totally real. Totally real. So we communi- I communicated with Shawana today because she absolutely loves you. And so does Darrell Patterson. So hello oh. to you guys because I know y'all are listening. Um, but even Darrell was like, does she realize that? You know what I mean? So, of course, based on Ted Corpus archives, um, that is you are the fastest African-American born um, Black woman in all of history. And that is a huge deal. And, of course behind a couple other ladies but the fact that that is your footprint and that's what you have done and not to minimize your the your cross-country track collegiate field but the fact that you kind of went professional to me the way that I see it in a way of just like oh I'm just gonna go out and try this and then you just kind (laughs) of kick behind (laughs) (laughs) and that I just think that that definitely speaks volumes for your ability and it speaks volumes for if you put your mind to something you can do it and that you to me were just born to be fast and that is just amazing and you can capitalize on that thank you (laughs) well Peyton um let me ask you this so okay so you know of course you said the trial was one of your goals um what did you have planned Okay, 
COVID-19 has kind of changed everybody's plans, but yes. what was your, your plan going forward from the trials? Like, were you going to continue since that was only your second marathon? Were you going to continue with the marathon or what was, what were you going to do at that point? Or was that kind of your goal and you were kind of done with it? So my coach and I talked about it and I, so immediately after the trials, I was revved up. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was like, man, I know I could have done a lot better. I had some uh, complications during the race, but I like after the race, I just had this confidence that I could be better than I was that day and that um, I do want to keep pursuing the marathon as my race. Um, so my coach and I, before all of the coronavirus stuff, um, we had this plan of me going and doing a fall marathon. And in between that, I would run some shorter distance races um, to just try to lower my 5K and 10K times and also just rework some speed uh, mm -hmm. into my training. Um, and so I was fully ready for that, so excited. Um, at this point now, I don't really know. Um, well, so obviously no races are going to be happening yeah, from like right. May to July, but I think I'll still be doing um, like time trials to kind of simulate doing those faster races. But in my mind and for my coach right now, we are still focusing on me running a fastball marathon. Um, I just have to solidify which one I'm doing. Um, and I, I think it's just difficult right now because um, no one really knows what the fate of like all of these races are of right course. now. Or if, yeah. if they're changing any guidelines or anything. Mm -hmm. um, so... But in my mind, I'm still doing a fall marathon. Gotcha. And, and I didn't want to get too far ahead because I do want you to kind of take us through your race here in Atlanta, like how you felt. You did say you had a little little uh, hitch in your giddy up a little bit um, in the race. So kind of take us through that, like how you felt at the beginning, you know, from the start, you know, how you felt on each loop. Um, how did the crowds make you feel? That sort of thing. Okay. Um, so... On the start line, uh, <laughs> my teammates and I were pretty much in the very back of the race, which really freaked me out. I'm, I'm very much a person that likes to be up front, and I don't like conflict. Um, <laughs> so it was really stressful for me to be in the back, but everyone there was so like happy-go-lucky and just happy to be there. So I just tried to calm myself down and follow suit with that and just like be confident that I could, that I would eventually get up to the race. And I was like, well, you have 26 miles to get up further. So I think you'll be okay. Um, <laughs> and it was really nice actually at the start because my, I saw my, uh, my mom and my sister, uh, they were holding signs. And then my dad and my uncle were holding signs as well. Um, and then there was this one random guy that looked like <laughs> my uncle that like kept on pointing to me but it definitely wasn't my uncle so I don't really know who he was but she was, she was really nice and he looked oh my God. very excited <laughs> um but yeah there, it was just nice to see um my family on the when I was on the start line and uh, even just seeing teammates so we had a lot of people from Wilmington come down and watch the race so that was really cool too so I got to see everyone before the the race even started mm -hmm. um and then of course people from the race at that meet and greet I saw a bunch of people as well um and so just seeing everyone got me really excited and calmed me down from 
the start line. Uh, so we started the race and it was a bit rocky. I don't really know what actually happened in the first, I don't know, 800 meters, but <laughs> there was one point where we were running and it was like a snail's pace. And then all of a sudden there's just this abrupt halt. Um, so everyone, like I had to stop and uh, a bunch of people in front of me had to stop. I think someone uh, fell down or tripped over something. Mm. Um, and so there's just this abrupt stop. And then all of a sudden you had to like scramble and try to figure out where you were uh, continuing to run next. Um, so that was interesting. And then I tried to stay, it was really crowded and uh, just difficult to navigate around people, but I tried to stay on the outsides, uh, kind of close to wherever the railings were and people on the sidewalks. And it was just kind of chaos for like the first mile and a half um, from what I recall. And my major focus was just getting out of this massive crowd because, again, I hate, I don't like conflict and I don't want to be around a bunch of people um, mm -hmm. in a race. So that was my major goal. And uh, at that point, I, I mean, so my teammates and I kind of had this plan, um, like, that we if we could stick together, then we would try, but if not, we're all running our own races. And so I kind of just like, in that first mile, I totally blacked out and didn't even realize that I wasn't with my teammates anymore. And then I realized it <laughs> after, I was like, oops, I kind of forgot to uh, stay with them. But um, I think it ended up being okay for me um, in the end, because I found so many groups of people to run with throughout the race. Mm -hmm. And it was really cool. So a lot of the race was um, me just hopping into small packs of people. And it was nice because it, that course was so windy. Right. Uh, I was going to say, you kind of <laughs> needed it to block the wind. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there was one point in the first, I, I think it was like in the first three miles where there were just like large cardboard boxes like flying around everywhere. <laughs> people were almost getting hit. Like mm -hmm. runners were almost getting hit. And I don't know, it was just, it was kind of chaotic, but uh, yeah, the wind was um, pretty rough, but being in those packs was really helpful uh, for the most part. Though I will say, because, so people always talk about my hair when I run mm -hmm. and they're like, oh, look at the girl with the hair. <laughs> and it's, <laughs> and, and I guess, like, I stood out, I stood out, I know, from the rest of the crowd. <laughs> um, it's pretty obvious, but my hair is, people always think that it's going to be aerodynamic, but it's definitely the opposite. And I think that it actually hinders me. Cause it's <laughs> Do you um, always, because for our listeners, <laughs> Peyton has very big natural hair and it's gorgeous. Do you ever pull it in a ponytail or do you always wear it just kind of out in a fro? Um, so I used to always wear it up, um, in college and ever since I left college, I've been wearing it out, uh, cause I cut my hair, my hair used to be really long and I got so frustrated with it and just like cut it all off, um, mm -hmm. my senior year in college. And then I've just let it grow out and I haven't really cut it up at all. Gotcha. Um, okay. <laughs> but since then it's not been very helpful with wind. <laughs> um, and so that was... <laughs> a struggle and also I'm not extremely tall but there are a lot of there are a lot of women in there that were shorter than me mm -hmm. so I felt like I was being more of a wind blocker for other people than they were for me 
So it was just <laughs> like I was trying to be helpful, but also <laughs> protect myself. Um, but it was just all of these funny things that were going through my head uh, during the race. Um, yeah, so it was really windy, but I was trying to just stay with small groups of people and move up from group to group. Um, and I think that worked really well because it kind of gave me like little tiny goals within the race. So I'd see, I'd be in a group and I'd see a group up ahead of me and I'd be like, okay, I think I can go catch them. Um, and I wouldn't try to go all out to try to reach them. I'd just take my time and um, slowly make my way there. And uh, it was really nice because there would be other girls that would do the same thing. So we're all trying to do this thing together and just pack up because um, it is a wind preventer. And then also just for the um, mentality, the group mentality of getting this thing done, doing it all together was really nice. Um, and that's pretty much all I was thinking about for the first two laps. Um, the hills didn't really feel that bad until the end of lap two. So about 16 miles in was when I was like, well, uh, this is kind of hard <laughs> or starting to get hard, but it wasn't unbearable or anything. And then that third lap came and I had um, some complications during that lap. Um, but for those first two laps, it was great. And I wasn't really thinking about anything besides moving up from the groups and just seeing all of the people um, all the people on the sidelines cheering for me, uh, which was really cool because I felt like I was being cheered for nonstop. <laughs> it was yes, I don't know if you heard me, Peyton, but uh... <laughs> I did. I did. I definitely did. I heard everyone, and I was like, "That was who are all so these people?" <laughs> yeah, um, but it was really cool because it was. Um, so obviously my family was there, you all were there, and everyone from the race uh, mm -hmm. was cheering for me. And then also um, people from my hometown. So uh, a lot of people from my high school still live around the Atlanta area. And some of them heard about me running at the trials. So they came out to watch me. And it was really cool to see them because uh, I had seen them since like, high school or mm -hmm. early in college. So that was really awesome. And then um, my high school team was there, um, like the current high school team for Roswell High School was there, and then we had a, uh, so Olympic trial qualifiers had an option to have a, a high school partnership um, with a local high school, and they'd be there to cheer you on, and so I got mine, um, my high school partnership. They sent me a video early in the morning that morning. It was East Aww. Coweta, um, and Yes, that was really cool to get the video from them. And then I saw them on the course. So it was just all of these people um, there to support. And it was really cool. And I definitely can say that I don't think I'll ever have an experience as awesome as that again in a race uh, because that was just insane. Um, like I think about it all the time, even when I'm out, especially now, just out running uh, alone. <laughs> and it's like remember that when that all that or remember that time when 
you know, there are all these people right uh, together. gathered all together <laughs> in groups in bunches, yeah. hundreds and thousands of people. Yeah. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. It's like, will that happen again? Yeah. Yeah. Well, Peyton, if you can you will continue. I think that you will have an experience yeah. like that. It may yeah. not be that experience <laughs> because the marathon Olympic trials and it being your first, I don't know if it could ever be topped, but I definitely yeah. see as far you know, as a bunch of people cheering for you. Yes. There's going to be a lot of people cheering for it's you. It's going to be I'm more sure. people <laughs> cheering for you. So I feel like, I feel like you were, well, to me, I'll speak for myself and you can so close if you want Tommy but I feel like I'm like who is this Peyton who and I looked you up and I'm like why have we never heard like just heard about you and I'm like oh my goodness she is amazing and I'm over here like super excited fangirling like when I saw you after the day after the trials I was like Peyton <laughs> so excited like it's just awesome to meet individuals that you just have a natural born talent for distance running and that does not come often um and just the fact that you're very humble about it and of course because you're an african-american beautiful woman like it's just amazing that you are doing great things on the pavement and that just really excites me thank you definitely so where do you think you're like and this is a this is a question from darrell patterson where do you, what do you think your ceiling is? Like, what do you see as kind of the next thing, not even next thing for you, but what is your capabilities? What do you believe that you can be or how far do you feel like you can go? Yeah, <laughs> that's a heavy question. Where do you see yourself in five years? Yeah, it's like one of those interview questions. Where do you see yourself in five years? Yeah, I don't even know where I see myself like next week. Um, I honestly haven't really thought about that. Um, I mean, I definitely see myself continuing with the marathon. Do I know how fast I can be in it? No, I have no idea. I think I have a lot of room to improve, um, just given that it's a new experience for me right now. And even just uh, hearing from other people that have run marathons, it's like you find something different every time you do a new one. Like you find something you could do different every time mm -hmm. uh, to make yourself better. Um, and I kind of had, I guess my ultimate, I guess not even ultimate goal. My goal probably for this next fall marathon is to run a low 230. Mm, um, yes, because I don't know, even during, so during the trials race, um, I was running, before uh, the third lap, um, I was feeling so good, and I kept on moving up, and I just, like, had this confidence that I could be so much faster than what I was doing at that moment, but I just had to keep controlling myself and keeping it conservative, and I don't know, I just kept on thinking about how much better I could be. Uh, with more experience and so it just got me really excited and um, so low 230s is my main goal for this year but beyond that I have no idea. Um, I definitely want to stay within the marathon realm like I said but I also am interested in um, maybe trying some ultra marathons as well. Wow. Mm, okay. um, yeah I think well because I love 
trails and I love wilderness and I want to be able to like running is a great way to go out and explore places it is um and see things and uh just kind of build a large build a build more of a connection um with nature in a way that maybe a lot of people don't have the desire to do (laughs) um but I think it's a really cool way uh to see the world and so um eventually I think I'd like to do that but while I'm still in my faster days (laughs) I think I want to try to improve with the marathon um yeah I honestly have no idea what my ceiling would be (laughs) okay I mean I think you responded perfectly I mean there is not a right or wrong answer to that I think that (laughs) what I see and what I hear from you Peyton is you see that you can be a better, faster runner and you have confidence that you can do that and you are striving to do that. So I think just with that attitude itself, you will get there. And I think that that's what's important is that, you know, there's sometimes you ask people that question, like, ah, I'm just kind of here. And you're like, no, I have goals. Like you're, you know, you're (laughs) humble about it, but you're like, I have goals. I see what I've done. I see how I fell after full marathons. I had a little, I had more in the tank. So that means I can give more to this marathon or ultra marathoning thing. So I think that that is, that will get you far as well as your training, but just your attitude that you know that you can do better and that you want to do better and that you're doing great, but that you can be even better than what you are right now, I think is just, is awesome. Thank you. So I know right now you are currently, you're still in school, correct? Pursuing your PhD in marine biology. Is that right? Yes. Okay. Awesome. So how, obviously, how was that going? Because of, of course, not only question. are you a marathoner and amazing, but well, yeah, you are also exactly. pursuing your PhD in marine biology. So not only were you training for the marathon Olympic trials, but you're in school. So yeah. for tell a PhD, us kind of how that's yeah. been. your PhD, like this is an yeah. undergrad. This yeah, this is a PhD. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, as of right, I mean, overall, it's been going really well. Um, right now, things are kind of crazy. Um, with our research and everything, we've pretty much been shut down from doing uh, lab work because a lot of my work is lab-based. So right now it's a lot of writing, but I think overall the program is going well. Um, I'm learning a lot, just trying to do my work, and it's it's, um, a lot about balance, which is what I've realized, especially in the past year uh, or a year and a half. Um, I officially started the PhD program in the fall, um, but prior to that I was in the master's program here. Um, So it was just a transition into the program, just a next level sort of thing. And yeah, just throughout grad school in general, you kind of learn that you have to balance a lot of things better. um, And you maybe don't have as much free time as you would if you had a nine to five job or something like that um, because you're just constantly trying to study your system and understand what's going on with all the complexities and uh, it definitely I guess if you're passionate about it then it makes it worthwhile to put all of the hours in and all of the work in Um, but you definitely still have to um, worry about or not really worry, but you still have to consider balance with your life. Um, and so running 
for me throughout my whole life has kind of been a good way to balance out um, academics and just other life things. And so with the PhD, it's been the same, similar situation. Um, if you look at a lot of graduate students, I, hopefully everyone has their own little outlet. Um, mm -hmm. So like another little thing that they do, so you're not only focused on your work. Um, and so I think that running is one of my outlets, uh, which I don't know, I love it. Right. <laughs> So obviously, and that's amazing that, I mean, running is your outlet and because you do weld at it and <laughs> you are also like, that's something that can keep you to have balance. You can go out after having a bat, a hard test or, you know, a long day, get the miles in and kind of rejuvenate yourself. Yeah. Um, and it definitely helps because, um, so like I said, I work in a lab a lot and a lot of times I'm doing work by myself and, um, running at least here I have a few people I can run with so it's a good way to just get a little socialization and not be one of those I'm still very much an awkward person <laughs> in general um, okay. but it definitely helps you get out of your <laughs> social awkwardness a little bit for the mm -hmm. day like just interaction with people Right. I mean, I'm sure this process is dev definitely in the process of being at the Marathon Olympic trials and then everybody is really excited about Peyton. I'm sure it definitely is something that's stepping you out of your comfort zone as far as yeah. you know, engagement with people that you're like, how do you know me? <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> like, what do I do with myself? <laughs> right. <laughs> For sure. So obviously with being in, being, getting your doctorate in, ma in marine biology and being one of the fast, the fourth fastest um, American born black women in the history of marathoning, what do you, f do you feel like you are carrying the dreams of a huge group of people like much larger than yourself? Um, or do you ever fear like feeling like you have to do what you have to do to kind of continue that legacy on? Or how do you feel about that? Um, I guess I feel both of those things. Mm -hmm. um, I guess, so yeah, ever since the trials even happened, or even before that, when I qualified for the trials and um, people were telling me all these cool things about uh, how much it means to them that I'm gonna be at the trials and then going, being there and uh, people telling me that they're so excited that I'm there. That definitely didn't cross my mind even um, until I heard it from other people. And ever since then, it's been like just this thing that's kind of, it's not a, a weight or anything. Um, I think it's something really good to kind of have on myself, a good kind of pressure. But then at the same time, just with the weight of things right now, everything just gets kind of overwhelming sometimes but I think for myself it's good to know that I can be something I can be a role model and I never originally thought of myself as a role model for anyone but um, it's cool hearing that from people and it makes me want to be better and step up and make a difference somehow um, so that I could maybe be a difference for other people and show other people that you can do really great things. You can help other people. You can help the world if you work on yourself. I feel like everything is just 
a process of working on yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's kind of like where my head has been at in the middle of all of this. Oh, <laughs> yeah. So who or what do you look, look, do you turn to to kind of hold you up? Like kind of who admires you or who do you kind of look towards to hold up the process of, I mean, not only continuing a professional career, but also as a amazing marathon runner, like how do you continue with that motivation? Um, so I have a few friends uh, from college that are still in the running world and um, they're running competitively. And so I kind of, look to them for inspiration because they're doing these really great things and running so fast and I'm extremely proud of them and uh, they're also just helpful in giving me their insight uh, into more competitive running um, like doing it for a living Um, and so that they've just been immense support and then my coach Tom has been really amazing and just patient with me uh, because I feel like sometimes I uh don't respond to a lot of things like I just kind of fall off the face of the earth for a little bit and then I come back and I'm like, okay I'm back um <laughs> and so he's been really good at just keeping me on track and like uh just reminding me of my goals sometimes because sometimes you know you can get so um bogged down with things going on and the day-to-day stuff that you kind of forget your goals sometimes and so he's good at just to keeping me level-headed and reminding myself like, hey, you said that you wanted to do this and you're going to do this. Mm -hmm. Um, And so the same thing comes with the graduate school work as well. So I get a lot of my um, motivation and inspiration from not only my uh, research advisor, but also from the other uh, students in my lab because um, we're all pretty good friends and we're all struggling <laughs> the same way together and like just trying to figure out what is going on and um, everyone it's just a really nice community I I found so many really great communities um, of people that can be inspirational and encouraging and also just like very vulnerable mm. um, and I think the vulnerability the vulnerability is probably the the biggest thing that helps a lot um, because so in graduate school um, <laughs> there's this thing called the imposter syndrome uh, where you feel like everyone apparently has this feeling where you just feel like you're not good enough or like you shouldn't be there um, but it's kind of just this common thing that happens all the time and everyone feels it all the time so you're all kind of sharing that same experience which is kind of sad but at the same time it like it fosters this closeness and allows you to um I don't know encourage each other to keep pursuing what you're pursuing because you're pursuing it for a reason and um whether it's for yourself or whether you're trying to um eventually do something bigger for the world or for your community or whatever it is um, that it's worth it and that you shouldn't feel like you're not supposed to be here that you're justified and you're there for a reason Um, yeah so it's just a lot of people that I work with um, have been really supportive and uh, it's probably cheesy but like 
and my boyfriend has also been really supportive too. Um, That's like, it's like been a lot. Um, Yeah. So I, we first started dating the summer before um, this really big hurricane hit Wilmington. Um, It was Hurricane Florence and uh, I was doing a master's project at the time and I'm not even working on the project anymore now because the hurricane wiped out everything. Oh, wow. Um, Yeah. So like my whole project was destroyed and our lab was destroyed. Yeah. It was a really rough time. Um, And I felt so bad because I was like so emotional, but it was something that was out of my control and, you know, um, it was my work and it was all gone. So I had to kind of rework a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And he was just so supportive throughout the entire thing. And uh, we actually came down to Atlanta um, to get away from the hurricane. We were in Atlanta for like a month because we can go back into Wilmington. Oh, wow. um, and it was funny because it was <laughs> my uh, parents didn't know I was dating anyone. Um, and then <laughs> I called my mom like the day before I was planning to drive down to get away from the storm. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, by the way, um, my boyfriend is coming and you're, <laughs> you're going to meet him. Like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah, she was like, uh, <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, and it was, yeah. <laughs> um, but it was pretty funny. But yeah, he's been really great um, and really supportive of just everything. So That's awesome. So, I mean, obviously you have a mix between you're definitely striving to your career as a marine biologist and continuing to give back to the world in that aspect. But then you also have this dream of professional running. And I mean, both of those things are both amazing things. Now, with your career prospects as a professional runner, if they were to match your career prospects as a marine biologist, do you envision a life where the two paths coexist? And if not, like, what would you choose, do you think? Um, I definitely foresee them coexisting. Uh, and if it's difficult, I would figure out a way to make it work. Um, because I love both. I envision myself um, doing research that is for a restorative purpose. Um, So whether that's uh, doing research that is focused on specific uh, fisheries and um, assessing population health or uh, doing lab-based work and coming up with essays and then also running and running and competing in all of these races, I can see that uh, potentially both of them could work out well. And I kind of like the idea of if I was going to do ultra marathons, for example, and also be a traveling biologist, I think that would be really cool. So <laughs> it's like this made up job that I came up with. Hey, that's, that's how, yeah, that's how you do it though. Well, this is what I want to do and I'm going to find a way to do it. Exactly. Yes. So made yeah. up job or not. Yeah, Listen. that sounds great. Yeah. Yes, like, because just that's how to... you have to make a place for yourself if it's not already there. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, just go to a place, do research, and run 
um, really fast races in that same place and just yeah in the same place like hey I have a race this weekend that I'm gonna kick behind but I can do work while I'm there yeah make it a, a runcation but at the same time your your job like yeah don't pay for me to go do this research and while I'm there I'm gonna run this ultra marathon yeah it's a two for one so. right yeah, I gotcha. Well, and let me ask you this, because you like you do, you do have a lot. You're trying to get your PhD, you, you know, you're doing the running and all that. What do you do for fun? Like, what do you do when you're not doing either one of those things? Um, I feel like I have a lot of things that I consider <laughs> my hobbies, but I don't really do them to a full extent. Um, so I've gotten into ukulele a lot recently mm-hmm. over the past uh, year or so. Um, so I do that a lot to kind of stress relieve. Um, I also paddleboard a lot uh, when I have time to and when it's not like crazy windy out all the time because it's mm. pretty windy here. I got gotcha. um, Yeah. And then, I don't know, I just recently got into gardening. <laughs> what are you growing? <laughs> oh, man. I'm growing, um, let's see, I've got an aloe vera plant. Uh, that of I'm course. growing, I'm trying to grow a bit. Yeah, <laughs> I use it on my hair a lot. I'm mostly, or most of the time, I'm like using it up more than it's growing. Peyton, let me tell yeah. you something. The aloe vera plant, like I can't tell you how many of them we had around my house when I was a kid, <laughs> and like that was my mom's cure all. Like anything was wrong yeah. with you, mm-hmm. put some aloe vera on. Like you break your leg, okay, yeah, just rub some aloe vera on it, you be yeah. okay. So. It'll season right together. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Yeah. So, I understand the aloe vera plant for sure. What else are you growing? Um, so I started a couple of tomato plants. Um, I've got chives and rosemary, a strawberry plant, and a zucchini plant. Oh, and I'm wow. planning to, yeah, and I just <laughs> had this miracle pepper plant sprout up because I I planted this seed like a few weeks ago, totally neglected it because I totally forgot about it, <laughs> which isn't, <laughs> it's not good, it's not good plant parenting <laughs> at all, um, but it was like last week I looked at it and I was like, what the heck, it started, um, it created its own little seedling, so it has leaves now. And oh, it's like, wow. well, that's cool. I didn't even do anything. <laughs> are you are you growing these in pots, or do you actually have a plot of land that you're able to grow these in? Um, I'm growing these in pots right now, mm-hmm. uh, but I'm moving um, in the fall to a new house. Um, so we're going to have area for me to actually Perfect. Like, keep keep watching those tomato plants. I've tried to paint the plants in pots, and... I swear to God, every time they'll get to a certain level and then they'll just die on me. So just, no. you gotta, you gotta watch them really the close. Face. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've, it's nice <laughs> now, at least with uh, working from home, I just like go out and check the plants like five times a day. <laughs> <laughs> Cause you got that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm just like, I need a break. <laughs> and then I go look at my plants and then I come back. <laughs> Now, I know you've mentioned that speaking of working from home now, you were you were doing your um, assistant working as a professor. How did your students enjoy like seeing you with the whole um, Olympic trials thing? Was that something that was a change for you? Because I know you mentioned that you, they didn't really know. And then they found out that you were going to the trials and you're they're like, why did you tell us? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So after the race, I got a bunch of emails from my students. Um, and they're like, we watched your race. We saw it, uh, your hair for like one second. And then, uh, <laughs> yeah. 
um, but they were all really excited and just like I don't know it was cool and weird at the same time because I'd never gotten that much uh, <laughs> encouragement or like be noticed that much by your students I don't know because they just kind of see you as their teacher um, and so I guess it was kind of weird for them to see me in a different light mm -hmm. um, but it was really cool uh, yeah I was like I don't know how this crosses like the student teacher relationship, um, but I think it's fine. <laughs> yeah, it's totally fine. I think that they probably have more respect for you, um, being that you're yeah. doing amazing, you're continuing to do amazing things for sure. Yeah. Peyton, you got to get used to that adulation because yeah. let me tell you, <laughs> it's coming. It's yeah. co I mean, it, I don't know. I know you're not supposed to ask women how old they are, but how old are you, Peyton? Um, I'm 24. Oh, Peyton, you better get used to it because it's coming <laughs> for sure. You're going to hit that stride in that marathon and we're going to be cheering for you for gold medals here shortly. Mm -hmm. I'm sure. <laughs> it's coming for you for sure. Oh. Definitely continue to continue to do amazing things like it's definitely coming. Thank you. Now, Peyton, if they want to, if any of our followers wanted to follow you, you know, on social media or just contact you, how would they do that? Um, yeah, so I have an Instagram. Uh, I don't use it too often, but I'm always <laughs> like, yeah, I guess I just always forget that I have it. But I have been responding to people's uh, friend requests recently, so I'm available. Um, yeah, my Instagram is uh, ptcruisin. 22 so it's should i spell it sure go <laughs> ahead okay um, it's uh p t c r u i s i n 22 um and don't make fun of me for the name because <laughs> i made that in high school and i thought that i was really cool you just roll with it you still cool baby <laughs> Hey, you cool. Don't tell, let nobody tell you you're not cool. You cool, say More like a dork, but um, yeah, that's my Instagram. And then I'm also uh, on Facebook as well. So people can message me on there as well. Awesome. Yeah. Was there anything else that you want to tell our listening audience, uh, Peyton, that we might have missed? Um, I mean... No, I think that was great to everyone that came out and cheered me on. Thank you so much because I really felt it. It was amazing um, and just great to be back in Atlanta for a little bit. Right. And thank you guys for having me on the podcast. Of course. Now, Before Peyton, you go, Peyton, yes. can you tell, I know this is so random, but can you tell us how bad humans are damaging the ocean and what we need to do to do better? <laughs> Oh man, that's a lot. <laughs> okay, that's a whole other conversation. Like, that's another <laughs> but, podcast. But, but yeah, what what can we do? Um. Okay, so I guess something that's feasible for everyone is I know there's a lot of things in the media about um, plastic waste and everything. It is a really large issue, and I think it's mostly in the media right now because that's something that's tangible. Um that we actually do have control over how much we consume um, and how much waste we produce. So I guess just a small thing that I would say is just to watch what, like really be conscious about what products you're buying and who you're buying them from. Um, 
and this is mostly geared towards like the food industry uh specifically like grocery stores there's all this packaging <clears throat> um yeah i would just be conscious of what you're consuming um maybe choose more eco-friendly choices like maybe instead of picking up something that's in a plastic container which isn't necessarily recyclable unless it's a certain number so usually ones twos and fives are the numbers that are most recyclable in a lot of facilities um, others just they try to send them to other countries and they don't actually go anywhere and those are the ones that end up getting put into the ocean mm. um, but instead of choosing products with plastics maybe choose something that's packaged in glass or a fabric or cardboard because those things or metal because um, those things are more readily recycled within our own country um, and there are all of these options for those but it's just like something that we don't think about um, and then just single-use packaging those things are so easy to uh, get rid of it's difficult in the running community though I found um, especially with gels and stuff there's all this packaging that isn't actually recycled so I'm trying to find uh, I've been doing some research like the past few months trying to um, see if there are any companies that are trying to come up with like a biodegradable packaging or compostable packaging um, because there's this uh, the current packaging for gels and stuff just isn't um, readily uh, recyclable or you're not really able to make anything else from it mm -hmm. um, but yeah just be conscious about the products that you're choosing um, and I think that's like the easiest thing that anyone start can there. do. Yeah, start <laughs> there. And then maybe just drive less, <laughs> drive a little bit less, which is really easy right now. I think. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Awesome. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Peyton. I would just tell you, continue being amazing, continue to have an amazing just personality and spirit about how well that you can do and what you will continue to do, do, continue to do. You have so much ahead of you. And I don't know if you realize that yet, but there are some amazing things coming for you. I feel it. I see it. And I just want you to continue on this path, continue to be amazing individual, continue your marine biologist world, as well as your running world. And we are happy and so excited to see what's up coming for you. Thank you so much. <laughs> yes, thank you very much, Peyton. Number one, you know, thank you for taking time out of your day to speak with us. One last thing, are we going to see you at the race in October? Because the race isn't canceled, so are we going to see you at the race? Ooh, maybe. I will check my schedule. Yes, check yes. it, because we would love to see you there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That'd be great. Yes, I will ensure to text you the details so that you can check your calendar. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> and thanks Thank again, Peyton. You try to have Thank a good you, one, okay? Peyton. Thank you, you guys, too. Alrighty. Bye. Stay on the line, Peyton. Oh, okay. <laughs> What a great interview. Oh my gosh. I completely adore her and I fangirl with her every single time I talk to her. <laughs> <laughs> she is so sweet to talk to. Yes. Got a lot of information on her and 
I mean, I know we were gushing about her at the interview about, hey, just get used to it. I'm dead serious. Yes. We're going to see more Peyton. I guarantee we're going to see more Peyton Thomas. We're definitely going to see more Peyton. And I just feel like her confidence and everything, it's there. And especially within running, like she knows that she can be doing some amazing things. And I just can't wait for that vault to fully open. It's going to be amazing. Yes, definitely, definitely. So, India. Yes. How will our people get in touch with you if they want to get in touch with you? So you can hit me up on Instagram at I underscore of underscore Indigo, which is E-N-D-I-G-O runs. Um, so I have Indigo runs and underscore in between each word. You can find me on Instagram there. You can also um, hit me up on Facebook at India Cook. And you can also email me if you would like to have a little bit different talk. You can hit me up at milesfromindia at gmail.com. Yes, and you can hit me up at Thomas W. Mitchell, the number two, at gmail.com, or DM me at tmitch68 on Instagram, or hit us up on the Run Duo Instagram DM as well. Yes. Oh, another great episode. Of course. End up books. So we will see y'all in another two weeks. You have a good one. Yes. Bye, guys. <laughs>